Hello everyone, and welcome to Trip's Tennis Talk. Thanks for finding the pod. Thanks for listening wherever you are and whenever you may be. This is Trip's Tennis Talk, an amateur podcast about professional tennis. Today, we're going to talk about what happened on Thursday at the Canadian Open in Toronto and Montreal. We're going to talk in depth about the matches I had my eye on. Then there's going to be a full score readout. I'll we'll check all the scores. If I have any quick thoughts on matches I didn't see or an interesting stat, I can talk about that. Then we'll look at the schedule for tomorrow and I'll react to that. Then if there's any tennis news and notes to discuss, we'll hit that at the end. But nothing comes to mind. We can do that at the front, actually. The one that I didn't mention yesterday is that Rafael Nadal is going to be going to Cincinnati. So to quote Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots coach in the NFL, Rafael Nadal is on to Cincinnati. So that is something that we can talk about in the future. And then at the end, we'll do some of the housekeeping stuff about the pod. So, it is 8.45pm on the West Coast on Thursday night. Belinda Bencic just wrapped up her match victory in the last 15 minutes. And the number 12 seed, Belinda Bencic, defeated the number 8 seed, Garbine Muguruza, 6-1, 6-3. The match was completely unremarkable. It was just a routine match. Well, maybe not completely unremarkable. I can say this. At the end of the first set, Bencic won the first set 6-1, and the total points was 28-13 in favor of Bencic. But at that point, if you look at the break points, Bencic had two break points. She won both. Muguruza had two break points. She didn't win either of them. So even though Muguruza lost the set badly, that just shows you that in the tennis scoring system, if you don't win those crucial points, sometimes the score can get away from you or the competitiveness can get away from you. If Muguruza wins one of those points, maybe the total point score for the first set is closer than 28 to 13. Maybe it was a 6-2 set or a 6-3 set. And then if it, you know, if it's 5-3, who knows? Maybe it'd be 5-4. But the margins did not go Muguruza's way in that first set. The second set was closer for a little bit. It was 2-all, 3-all, and then Bencic broke twice to win the set. So the 6-1, 6-3 scoreline, both sets were a double break. This is a old news item, but just checking in on where Muguruza is at the moment. On June 30th, she posted the following statement on Twitter. These last six months have been very hard, dealing with defeats, frustration, and pressure, competing in Roland Garros and Wimbledon, tournaments that I love, with all the preparation and, and effort that my whole team has made, not finding my tennis has been emotionally a very hard blow. 
to my followers and those who place their expectations on me just to say that I'm sorry and I hope that the remaining six months of 2022 are more bearable and I can at least find those good feelings again. Well, in the scoreline, she didn't have too many good feelings tonight. She did win a couple matches, one match. She did win one match to get here, so there's that. But it has been slim pickings for Muguruza. And just, I'm going to pull that up while I'm talking here. Good podcasting, doing research on the air. She's a, you know, Muguruza, it's been kind of a barren patch for her. She's a two-time major winner, 2016 Roland Garros champ, and 2017 Wimbledon champ. And since then, she's made a semifinal and a final, and then she's failed to reach the quarters 4, 8, 10, 14, 17 times. And this year in the Grand Slams, she has a grand total of one match victory. She won her first round at the Australian Open this year, and she hasn't won a match at a Grand Slam since then. And she, she had a win over Serena when she was winning those majors around that time. Maybe not in the ones that she won, but, you know, five, six, seven years ago, when she was in her early 20s, she was definitely a, a rising prospect. And in 2020, right before the pandemic, she made the Australian Open final, and she lost to Kennan, I believe. I'm just going to triple check that. Yeah, it was Kennan. And maybe that was a return to form, but in retrospect, it appears it was a one-off result because in the biggest tournaments, I know she won the WTA finals. I know she won the uh, 1000 event last year and those are good but in the grand slams and most of the masters series she's not doing too well at the moment which is why she posted that statement on social media and we can all relate to that there's all we all go through parts of life where things are not going the way we want and it can affect us professionally and we should all root for Muguruza to find the piece off the court that she's looking for. And hopefully she can come back, maybe even this year, but you know, next year for sure. Hopefully she, she can come back and have a good season. So there you go. And Muguruza's loss is another, yet another loss by a top eight seed. And we'll get to that a little later. But on the women's side, only one top eight seed made the quarterfinals. And that was the number seven seed. But we will get to that. Going over to the Benchich side. Benchich beat Serena Williams yesterday, 6-2-6-4, in a situation that was emotionally charged, and it could have gone the other way because of the emotions surrounding that moment. But she did very well, Benchich did. And today... She beat the uh, number eight seed, losing four games. So yesterday she lost six games. Today she lost four games. And next, where's my draw? I have the draw. I put it somewhere. Did I not take it with me here? This is also very good podcasting. Thursday. Yeah, here's my draws. Let me get them here. 
Um, and Benchic plays an unseeded player in the next round. So she could have a chance to have a good result here for sure. And Benchic, they said in the on-court interview that she's only lost once at the Canadian Open, Benchic has, which is accurate, but that's one of those twisted stats. Benchic won the Canadian Open in 2015. She had wins over number one Serena Williams and number two Simona Halep that year. Then 2016 did not play. 2017 did not play. 2018 did not play. 2019 lost to Svitolina. It was canceled in 2020 and did not play last year. So that's one of those twisted stats. True, but not representative of a long career at the Canadian Open. But irregardless, Bencic is a former champion, and she could be a two-time champion by week's end. She's also the defending gold medalist from the Olympics, so she's got that going for her. Wasn't it nice to, wasn't it nice to win that exhibition tournament that doesn't count? So that's the match that just wrapped up here at the end of the night session from Toronto. We're going to go backwards and look at the matches in reverse order that I was had my eye on today. The night session kicked off in Montreal with the number 17 seed, Gael Monfils, taking on the qualifier, Jack Draper. And Draper played quite well in the first set. Monfils, not so much. This is the kind of expert analysis that you listen to podcasts for. Someone wins the set 6-2. You say the guy that won the set was playing well, and the guy that lost the set wasn't playing well. But what happened um, on the court with the tennis has was overshadowed by the acute injury that Monfils suffered. Monfils has been out a couple months with injury, and um, serving up to love in the second set, Monfils had an injury. And I've got the audio ready here. So let's listen to the audio of what happened to Monfils. This is courtesy of Tennis TV. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh-oh. Oh, Gael. Not only the limping, but the wincing is not a good sign. What this injury is, but it is obvious that Gael is in significant distress. Oh no. Well, this this kind of pain, this agony, yeah. you start to think maybe the, the back of the foot, the Achilles, no. somewhere in that got the tape on that foot yeah. say so that was the, the one that he he injured I mean he doesn't want any pressure on it at all I'm not sure this is happening no he's done yeah I think his team made the wise choice in counseling him that this is just not going to be worth there's still half of a season to go there's a lot of time to play why jeopardize 
make some big noise in Montreal. Oh, definitely, but you've got to feel for Monfils, who has been through so much. I mean, he's playing some really good tennis. I mean, two matches. So, again, that's what happened to Monfils there. He initially they brought a chair labeled security security out halfway between the changeover area and the baseline because Monfils couldn't make it all the way over there. And Mohamed Layani, the chair umpire, and Draper himself assisted Monfils into the chair. So good on Jack Draper there. Good on both of them. Draper appears to be a good guy. And we all know that Mohamed Leani is a good guy. He's very pro-player. Sometimes detrimentally so, like with Nick Kyrgios that one time. But in general, Mohamed is pro-player for sure. So that was a shame. You know, the saying about Monfils, Gael Monfils, um, you know, he makes your heart and he breaks your heart. And this week he did a little bit of both. And usually that's the way it goes with Monfils. You think about the potential of what could be. A couple of good things happen to move the good potential into reality, possibly. But then there is some kind of setback that happens. And unfortunately, that's what happened to Monfils there. So a qualifier, Jack Draper, is moving on. Hopefully Monfils can play tennis again this year. Hopefully next week or in a couple weeks at the U.S. Open, but it didn't necessarily look good. But we'll wait to see what the diagnosis and the prognosis is. Moving backwards on, on another hour in time, Nick Kyrgios took on Alex Damonar. That match started just before 6 o'clock p.m. local time. Kyrgios got up for love in 11 minutes. And he eventually closed out the first set 6-2, 25 points to 14. And he got up an early break in the second 2-1, and he rode that to victory. Kyrgios served for the match at 5-2, and he played a very, very loose game to get broken there. And two things. Number one, when that was happening, he turned to his box and told the people in his box, I think you're effing stupid, except he didn't say effing. We're a clean podcast, so we're not going to use the full word there. Got to keep that clean rating in Apple Podcasts there. And I also thought in real time, as it was happening, it's just like what happened against Nakashima, right? I think it was in the fourth set against Nakashima at Wimbledon. Kyrgios played a bad game, and he said in press later that he played a bad game on purpose to lull his opponent into a false sense of security. So I was thinking about that when Kyrgios didn't serve it out at 6-2-5-2 today. And then immediately after that, he ripped off a quick game to break Damon R for the match today. So maybe he used the same tactic again. Kyrgios moving on 6-2-6-3 over Alex Damon R. Nick Kyrgios, best player in the world right now. Medi's out. Zverev's hurt. Alcaraz not doing so well recently. 
Rude is not the best player in the world. Sorry to all the Rude fans out there. Rublev's not the best player in the world right now. Djokovic is not playing tennis right now, so he can't be considered for this on this day, on August 11th, 2022. And he's ranked like 6, so he's just not the best player. I know Kyrgios isn't ranked that high, but okay, fine. Let's not use Djokovic's ranking as an example then. Djokovic is not playing, that's why he can't count. So the way... The, and it's not just... Let's take a look at why Kyrgios is the best player in the world right now. Since Wimbledon, he won six matches there, lost to Djokovic. He won Washington, so that's five, I think. So that's 11 matches that he's won. Then he's won three, three here, including against the number one ranked player in the world. Small-ish sample size, but hey, the sample size is bigger than it was on Monday morning. And it's not just the results now, it's kind of the score lines of the Kyrgios matches. His first round match was kind of an easy 6-4, 6-4. Medvedev, you know, he did lose the one set, but after that it was 6-4, 6-2, I believe. Then today it was 6-2, 6-3. He's cruising, and I'm almost kind of trusting Kyrgios now to sort of win comfortably in these situations. And that is a big, 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 massive deal for Kyrgios if you can start to trust and believe in his, that his natural ability is going to get it done and that he's not going to get in his own way. So it's number one, the results, and number two, the temperament is getting a little better. You know, he hasn't really done anything this week except the jawing, which doesn't really hurt anybody. You know, of course, let's clip this tape for Friday's match when he does something apocalyptically stupid. But as of now, he's had a good behavior week and a good behavior month. Curios is n spicy Curios is nice. Toxic masculinity Curios is not very nice at all. And that Curios has not made an appearance this week. Just spicy Curios. And then the last match this morning that I had a close eye on. Oh my gosh, where to start with this one? So first up at 11 a.m. this morning, number six seed Arena Sabalenka took on number 10 seed Coco Goff. And I want to make sure I remember all the details on this. Let's just start, start at the beginning, I guess. So first set. The first set was pretty tight. One player didn't necessarily blow a lead. I'm looking at my notes here. Nobody had a two-game lead until 5-all. Through 5-all, nobody had a two-game lead in the first set. And did she save a set point? I don't think she did. No, she did not. The first set was long. I think it... Let me see if I can actually get this stat. Let's have some journalistic integrity on the podcast for once. I mean, my God. We have to get our stats department on this. So let me pull up the stats here. Let me see what we get. Stats. Do we have set length on the stats here? Do we have minutes? Looks like I'm not seeing that. 
set one, aces, double faults. Looks like it doesn't have the duration. But the first set was probably about around an hour in length, and Goff won the set 7-5. Nothing too remarkable about how the score happened, except that it was a long set. But, and this is a problem throughout the whole match. Number one, the amount of double faults that were in this match. Let's get the match stats. So, Sabalenka had 18 double faults in the match, and Goff had 15 double faults. So that combines to a grand total of 33 double faults for the match, which is about 12 or 13% of the points played. So think about it. Every 10 points, the other player got a free one because of the double faults. And of course, if you're double faulting that often, number one, you have some mental issues going on because you're definitely thinking about it. After you've had 17 double faults and you miss a first serve, that's definitely going to be on your mind. And it was. The quality of the serving in this match was not great. And that's because both players have been struggling with the serve. It didn't just come out of nowhere and they just had a bad serving day. I know it was windy, but Sabalenka has been struggling with the yips on her serve all year. And it's kind of amazing. She's kind of having a Djokovic 2010 kind of season where Djokovic served more doubles than aces that year and finished three in the world. You know, with Djokovic, imagine how good he could have been if he had a top 50 level serve. And he did figure that out and look at what Djokovic has done the last 12 years since that happened. His serve is a weapon now. It's not only functional, it's quite effective. And for Sabalenka, she can't really serve on a consistent basis. And she's kind of... Well, I'll say it this way. She's definitely thinking about her serve a lot. Detrimentally so. And despite that, she's maintained... Let me check the actual ranking. WTA rankings. I want to get the exact I want to be exactly right here. Again, we got to have journalistic integrity. We just can't say what we think the ranking might be. We can't just say, "Oh, she might be top 10." Let's get the actual ranking. So Sabalenka's ranked 6 in the world right now according to the WTA rankings, and she's done that with basically having all the problems on serve that she's been having. Imagine if she had a top 50 serve. She could be a top 4, top 3, top 2 player right now. Imagine if she had a top 10 serve. She might have won a Grand Slam by now. But that has not happened. These kind of things with the serve, they can only get fixed in the offseason, really. So she's going to have to ride out the next three months, then figure something out in the offseason, how to address her serve issues. Sabalenka. Same for Goff, kind of. You know, Goff's only 18. She had her issues on serve yesterday against Rabakina, and those definitely continued today. Despite that, in the whole match, there were only four breaks for each player, so it could have been a lot worse. In the first set, there was only one break, I think, which is very surprising. So Goff wins the first set 7-5. She... Got the break at 5-all and served it out. Saved break points to serve out the first set. In the second set, Goff got up 3-love double break. So Coco Goff was serving at 7-5, 3-love. And 
just like yesterday, from a winning position, she gave it all back quickly. From five all in the first set, Goff won five two. She was down four five. Goff was serving at four five in the first set. She won six consecutive games. So just note that. At one point, Goff won six games in a row. That's a virtual bagel. Six love, except it wasn't literally six love. She gave it all back through the double faults and the bad serving. And it got to four all and uh, got to four all in the second. And then Coco lost her serve again to lose the set. So from three love, two breaks up. She lost her serve three times and lost it 4-6. So three love to 4-6. Not great. So at this point, you're thinking, you know, the momentum is with Sabalenka. She's come back. Maybe she'll have a chance in this third set. Sabalenka got up 2-love, 3-1. She gave that back. 3-all, 4-all. And something I didn't mention yet, the... The... The tossing, oh my god. The tossing was awful. It was okay at first, but by the end it was excruciating. Both players were routinely, once or twice a game or more, they would toss the ball up, then they would catch it. And then, especially Sabalenka, she would reach up and she would do it twice. She did it twice a lot. And if you think, you know, you do that 10, 20, 30 times, that's 60, 65, 70 ball tosses that are not being served, that, that are not being served. Think about how much time that adds to a match, and think about how frustrating that is for the viewer. You're kind of ready to watch the point, and then she kind of stops the proceedings. On the Weather Channel app, it only said it was 15 mile an hour winds in Toronto, and, you know, 15 is not zero, but seriously, maybe 15 is a lot. I don't know, but it wasn't like it was 30 mile an hour winds or 20 or 25. 15 is kind of on the lower end, maybe. Again, I don't know. I'm just a dude sitting in my chair here, but my gosh, it was excruciating by the end. And Pierre Bocci, the umpire, he did not say a single word about it during the whole match, so that's fine. And you know, Goff didn't say anything about it when Sabalenka was doing it. Sabalenka didn't say anything when Goff was doing it, so if the if both players are fine and the umpire didn't step in, I guess that's alright. You know? But it was excruciating. So 3-all in the third, 4-all, 5-all, 6-all, so this is a long, drawn-out match, over three hours in the end. Three hours, 11 minutes. Again, let me just double-check that. we got to make sure we get the journalistic integrity right. Let's fact-check that. Let's make sure it was three hours, 11. Looking. Yes, it was. And uh, what was the score of that? The score in the tie-break was 7-4 in favor of Goff. So, in the end, Goff gave away that huge lead, then got behind, then came all the way back to eventually win it in the end. So instead of winning it 7-5-6-2, 
Goff wins the match against Sabalenka 7-5-4-6-7-6 in 3 hours and 11 minutes. There were 32, 18, and 15. That's not right, is it? 33. There were 33 combined double faults in the match. Uh, Sabalenka's first serve percentage was only 51.9%. That's not good for first serve. You want that closer to 55 or 60%. And total points won. 131 to 131 tight match, but Goff somehow wins a marathon tortuous and torturous tortuous and torturous match against Sabalenka. Sabalenka, another top eight seed that bit the dust here in Canada this, this week. Not a good week for seeds. There was not a lot of germination going on, huh? And just to wrap, put a bow on this, there were 79 combined unforced errors in this match. So it was 131 to 131. So that means there were 262 points, 79 out of 262. 30% of the points in this match ended in somebody making a mistake. Not great, especially when it's not like you're running to the other side of the court to get a shot and you hit it and there, it, ha- it doesn't have a prayer, and it lands three inches out, and it's an unforced error. It was routine shots that were being ended in errors. You know, obviously, you know, by professional standards, this was kind of a club-level match in some ways, but it's fine, you know? You know, a club-level match on the pros is obviously not the same as a club-level match in the club, but it was not the best match to watch quality-wise. Dramatic? Oh, yes. It was very entertaining to watch. Quality-wise, this one will not be going in the Hall of Fame. Those are the four matches that I had my eyes on today. Another long day, but not quite as long as yesterday. So, now let's get into more scoreboards, brief reactions, reactions to scores. So here's a full field rundown of what happened today. Let's start with Toronto. Let's see, how do I want to do this? Do I want to read the seed names? Yeah, I'll read the seed names. So, hmm, okay, scores. Again, number 10 seed Coco Goff beat number 6 seed Arena Sabalenka. Seven five four six seven six. Number seven seed Jessica Pagula saved a match point to de- in the third set to defeat the reigning champion Camilla Georgi. Pegula wins. Pagula. Pagula. You know what? Let's get the official pronunciation on that. Let's do some journalism. Okay, we got it hooked up. Okay, WTA.com. Give me the, the the pronunciation. Let me hear it. Hold on. Let me get my headphones on. Okay. 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 Lay it on me. Hi. My name is Jessica Pagula. Jessica Pagula. Jessica Pagula. There you go. Okay. And she beat Georgie 3-6, 6-love, 7-5. Let's let's do another one. Let's get the pronunciation on Putinseva. 
Putensova? Let me see what she says about it. Let me find that here. Where is Poots? Where is Poots? Come on, Poots. Why are you ranked this low? 46? Okay, lay it on me. Hi, my name is Yulia Putinseva. Yulia Putinseva. 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 Sev. Okay, so Putinseva beat Risk Ambitrage. You know, let me get that. We're, we're going down a pronunciation rabbit hole here. Where's Risk? Scrolling. Let me, lay it on me, Allison. Hi, my name is Allison Risk. No! Allison Risk. Okay, she didn't, she didn't say it. Okay, so I get to say it the way I want. Putinseva beat Risk Ambitrage 6375. Pliskova beat Zachary. Again, taking the scenic route here. 616763. That was number 14, Pliskova beat number 3, Zachary. Number 15 seed, Simona Halep beat Jill Teichman, 6275. We'll come back to that one. Um, number 12, Belinda Bencic beat number 8, Muguruza, 6163. Zhang beat Andrescu, 755762. In a nice one. Let's get the official pronunciation on that. Where is that? So I'm looking up uh, Zhang. Where's Zhang? Scrolling, scrolling. Zhang, Zhang. Don't see it yet. It's not. It's not Zhuai Zhang. We're looking for Qinwing Zhang. Okay, let's get corrected. Lay it on. Oh, it's not here. She does not have a pronunciation audio file. Kin Wen Zhang. I'm totally butchering that. Sorry, but she gets she gets the last Canadian woman out of there. Andrescu's out, and then Beatrice Haddad Maya. She had a good run on the grass, not at Wimbledon though. She takes out the number one seed Iga Swiatek, six four three six seven five, this afternoon on Center Court in at Canada. Sviantek has some problems right now. Earlier this season, she won 37 consecutive matches, which beat a streak by Venus Williams from 20 years ago, I believe. And that included one major championship. Just one, unfortunately not more. That's the negative of going on a winning streak from February to June. There's only one major in there, which she won, but only one. And after she won 37 matches in a row, in her last six matches, Sviantek is 3-3. Three and three. And I'm not going to pull it up, but she lost at Wimbledon to... I forget. So it shows how smart I am. She lost to Cornet, wasn't it? She lost to Cornet. And in the round before, she barely got by Padanama Kirkhove, if I remember that right. So... And yesterday, well, anyway, today she didn't get through. And yesterday she won quite comfortably. I thought she was back. I thought it was just a grass thing. But it looks like it's not. So, again, Sviantek 3-3 three and three in her last six. 
the top players on the tennis tours are not doing too well right now. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Number one seed is out. So my picks for this week, I picked the number one seeds in both draws to win the tournament. They combined to win one match. I picked them to win ten matches combined. They leave Canada with one match victory. Medvedev and Sviantec let me down this week in my predictions. So, I think that about wraps up the women's action. Let's just read it and let's just let's just read the draw then. So, in draw order, here are the quarterfinals, which will take place on Friday, August twelfth. Beatrice Haddad Maya will play Benchic. Winner of that plays the Pliskova Zhang winner. Then Pegula and Putinseva. 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 Winner of that plays Goff or Halep. So that's the women's draw. Let's move on to the men's results from today. From Montreal. Let's pull them up real quick. Daily schedule. Day six. There was a rain delay this afternoon. As of 4 p.m. local time today, none of the matches had finished, but they finished the whole schedule by 10 or 11, so they got everything in. Dan Evans beat Taylor Fritz, 7-6-1-6-7-5. That's all I got to say about that one. Tommy Paul backed up his win over Alcaraz. He beat the number 13 seed Marin Cilic, 6-4-6-2. Kyrgios beat Damonar, 6-2-6-3. Number 8 seed Hubert Hercoc scored a rare victory for a top 8 seed, but it was just barely. He edged Albert Ramos-Vignolas, 6-7-6-2-7-6. In doubles, doubles result for you. The number one seeds went down. Ariel Behar, sorry, not getting that right. Ariel Bahar and Gonzalo Escobar beat Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury 6-4-7-6 in the doubles. Back to singles now. In a match that took over four and a half hours because of the rain, number four seed Casper Rude beat number 14 seed Roberto Bautista Agut 6-7-7-6-6-4. Casper Root is the highest remaining seed in either in either event. Is that right? Yeah, in either event, he's the highest remaining seed. Number six, Felix Auger Aliassim beat number nine, Cameron Nori, six three six four. The Wimbledon semifinalist is out, and the former Wimbledon semifinalist and Canadian into the quarters. The qualifier, Jack Draper, beat the number 17 seed, Gael Monfils, 6-2, love two retired. And yet another top eight seed going down. Pablo Carreño Busta routined the number seven seed, Yannick Sinner, 6-2, 6-4. So again, lots of, unst- lots of instability from the top seeds this week. Very interesting. Pretty unusual to see it to this degree from both tours at the same tournament. Usually at the Grand Slams, you know, kind of the women's draw has a lot of upsets, and then the men's draw might have some upsets, but, you know, a t- you know, Djokovic will stay in there, and even if he's the only one, he'll end up winning the tournament, so it kind of masks, 
any imbalance that a draw might have had. But here, on the women's side, only one top eight player made it, and it was the number seven seed. And here, I think we have six. I mean, sorry. I think we have three that are moving on, number four, number six, and number eight. So it's not like, you know, the top four guys moving on. It's kind of the five through eight bracket kind of made it through this time. Again, very unusual. Let's take a look at the race rankings after today. Let's take a look at who's where. Race points update. These are points only earned in calendar year 2022 used to determine eligibility for the ATP finals. So after the results today, here's what we have. Rafa, uh, number one is still Rafa. Two, Alcaraz. Three, Tsitsipas. Those guys are all out. Rude is number four. He's 600 points back of Tsitsipas, so he could go up to number three if he wins another couple matches. And if he wins the tournament, he would be number two in the race. Wouldn't that be crazy? Medvedev is five. Zverev, six. Ajay Aliassim, seven. If he wins tomorrow, he would go up to number six. He would pass Zverev. Rublev, eight. Fritz, nine. Herkoc, ten. Djokovic, 11th in the race. Djokovic not in the top 10 this year. Kyrgios, 19. Nice to see Kyrgios in the top 20 now. He would have been, but Wimbledon didn't count. Carreno, 22. Paul, 28. Evans, 32. Draper, 38. Jack Draper, top 40 in the race now. Let's go over to the... WTA side, check the race there. Sviantek still won, despite the results today. Like I said before, she can lose a lot and still be number one. Anyway, let's go to the race. Where's the race? Sviantek won, Jabor two, Goff three. And if Goff wins the tournament, she would be number two ahead of Jabur. Kasatkina four, Pagula five. Zachary 6, Barossa 7, Bencic 8. She could be as high as 27-76. She could be in the top 3 if she won this tournament, maybe. Number 9, Kudermatova. Number 10, Halep. Haddad Maya is 17. Putinseva is 36. Zhang is 44. Pliskova down to 54 in the race. So she could have a big weekend. This would be a big weekend for her. So that's a race points update. Setting a record length here for the pod. 43 minutes already. Wow. Let's keep going. Okay, last item on the agenda here. Let's take a look at the schedule for tomorrow or Friday, whenever you're listening to this. Most of you are listening to this on Friday or you're listening to it after it's already happened, but let's just go through it anyway. So Friday, August 12th, quarterfinal day. It's a couple hours later start. Let's start. The men start earlier, so let's go with that. Day session for the men, quarterfinal action. This is all Eastern time. 12 o'clock Eastern, Hubert Hercotch versus Nick Kyrgios. 2 o'clock Eastern, Casper Ruud versus Felix Auger-Aliassime. 
sliding over to the day session for the women. 1 o'clock Eastern, Coco Goff against Simona Halep, followed by Jessica Pagula against Yulia Putinseva. So those are your day session matches. Now for the night session, we'll start with the men. 6.30 p.m., Daniel Evans versus Tommy Paul, followed by Pablo Carreño Busta against Jack Draper. The ladies' night, Friday night, 7 p.m. start, Beatrice Haddad Maya versus Belinda Bencic, followed by Karolina Pliskova against Kin Wen Zhang. Again, sorry about pronunciations. So, maybe not the best eight matches on paper. It's not big star appeal. However, these matches are still going to be nice. Like, it's going to be nice to watch Tommy Paul play at night. It's going to be cool to watch Draper again. Uh, Curios Hercotch, that could be a good match. And Rude Aliasim is a seeding match, number four against number six. They made it where they're supposed to. So that's a good lineup for the men. And for the women, Goff Halep is a good match. I, I enjoy watching Pagula play. And night session, not quite as star-driven, but... Benchich, going to be interesting to watch. Haddad, uh, Haddad Maya, again, a big weekend for Pliskova if she can get some points. And, you know, you got Zhang, the uh, fast rising prospect. So, you know what? I'm going to turn that on its head. Even even though the numbers next to these players' names are not 1, 2, 3, 4, this is a good schedule. And I'm going to look forward to it tomorrow. My voice is getting tired. And there's not really any tennis news and notes to go over. So let's just go on to the housekeeping. Um, you're, hopefully you're listening to this on Apple Pods. You'd pretty much have to be at this point. Um, glad to be on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening if you've made it this far. If you feel a five-star review is uh, worthy, go ahead and leave that. If you hate me, leave a one-star review. Why not? Leave a nice comment. You know, let's not, you know, how about nice comments only? I don't know. Let's have positivity. Well, at this point, I'm just rambling. So let's cue that music. Here it is. Let's put the music in post right here. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Tomorrow is going to be another good day. That was what happened Thursday on Canada. Thursday in Canada. Yeah, I'm losing it. Let's just let's just go. See you guys later. This podcast was courtesy of Oregon Productions. <laughs>